It's not a product, it's a technology. It's an education challenge. A regenerative suspension? There will be a growing demand for industrial photovoltaics. Tom Tiger. Innovation in the financing space. The high-speed train is in all our interests. All political lines. Australia is a solar paradise. The market is moving much faster than that. You've got something that's transformational. Solar window in a can. Beyond Zero. Global warming science, solutions and action. Taking it to a do-it-yourself level. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Beyond Zero Emissions Show. Recorded in the studios of 3CR Melbourne and syndicated around Australia on the Community Radio Network. It is also podcast on the internet at bze.org.au and 3cr.org.au and whatever podcasting app you choose to use. You can also follow us on Twitter at BZE Tech Show. My name is Kay Wenigal and my co-host today is Michael Steindl. Hello, Mike. Good morning, Kay. Today we'll be talking with Damien Natakan, who is a chartered energy engineer with 12 years' experience in managing renewable energy and energy efficiency projects through planning and implementation. In the development of renewable generation projects, Damien has managed all aspects of the development process, from identifying sites, land negotiations, feasibility assessments, site capacity studies, resource monitoring and analysis, environmental study preparation, including landscape and noise impacts, assistance with coordination construction on site, foundation constructions, and the erection of the turbines. So that's quite a lot, actually. His expertise includes wind farms, single wind turbine projects, small-scale wind, solar photovoltaic projects, both commercial rooftop and solar farms, biogas generation, wave and tidal technologies. Also an energy efficiency expert, Damien undertakes Level 2 and 3 energy audits for a range of manufacturing and commercial sites around Australia and verified the energy savings, often also helping obtain significant grant funding for client projects. In his role as foundation and one of the directors of NHA, Damien is proud to deliver the knowledge of the NHA team to benefit public and private sector clients around Australia. Welcome, Damien. Thanks for joining us. Good to be here. Thank you. Before we start on the Victorian Renewable Energy Roadmap, we'd like to start these interviews with asking how you first became interested in renewable energy and energy efficiency. Yeah, so when I was at school in my early teenage years, I made a solar hot water heating system and got hooked from then on, really. Started to learn about the renewable energy technologies and open-minds the climate change and decided then and there I wanted to get into renewable energy and I chose my university courses to match that career goal and didn't look back. So it's been a good career that's kept me interested and engaged and I expect will continue to do so for the rest of my career. Oh, that sounds like quite a focus. You founded it in NHA. So can you tell us what the name actually means and why you founded it? Did yeah, you see a niche well, I, in the area? I did. I just sort of decided my mission in life was to create energy and harmony in our world, in the energy system, and um, in life in general. So those two words, energy and harmony, came together as NHA, and that was the the genesis of the name of the business. So it's been good to keep that focus over the years. Oh, great. And how many are in your team, and what do they do? Well, we've got three in Melbourne and a colleague in Sydney as well. Um, In Melbourne, we a team of engineers. We do technical feasibility studies on a lot of rooftop solar these days, uh, which has become the sort of dominant uh, 
replicable projects that roll out um, in a large number of client sites. Uh, we do energy audits. Is it commercial or residential mainly? We focus on commercial scale. Mm-hmm. So we leave the residential side to others, but we do there's a larger solar feasibility projects, perhaps in the 30 to 200 kilowatt range typically. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, up in Sydney, we're starting to get into the energy efficiency space in the commercial sector up there as well. So you started in Melbourne and then opened up in Sydney? Yeah, that's right. And how long have you been going in Sydney? Um, That's been a more recent thing uh, this year. And we've got onto the New South Wales Energy Saver Scheme has a panel of advisors which we've joined uh, recently. So that gives us a a doorway into uh, helping businesses in New South Wales to reduce their energy costs as well. I'd imagine the market would be quite different in New South Wales compared to Victoria in terms of the type of energy efficiency projects that they have. Well, there are some climatic differences, but there's a lot of uh, similarities as well. You know, commercial manufacturers, say, in New South Wales would have the same opportunities for uh, rooftop solar, for lighting efficiency, for variable speed drives and um, voltage optimization that are manufacturing Victoria would have so there's a lot of crossover as well. Thanks Damien I understand the Victorian government has recently published Victoria's Renewable Energy Roadmap Delivering Jobs and a Clean Energy Future. It's my understanding this was actually the successor to the old VRET um, and that they went through an extensive consultation process that you were involved in. Can you outline the process of this consultation and its goals? Yeah definitely so Victoria's got a lot of catch-up to do uh, this is one of the stated goals of the state government is to bring Victoria back into a, a position of national and international leadership in renewable energy. This is after going backwards under the previous government? Yes. <laughs> so there's a significant uh, catch-up effort needed. And this roadmap's a, a good step in that direction. It talks about all the right things that uh, the sector's going to need to decarbonise our energy supply uh, over the next few years. But what we're waiting for is the the legislation and the mechanisms to actually deliver that. But the the roadmap and its consultation was really about, I guess, um, having the, the government starting a conversation about what's needed, what initiatives are needed, what does the government need to do. And uh, we hosted a an event for our industry networks to come and talk about that and and formulate our submissions to the government's consultation, which we sent in last week. So it's um it's the pro progress that's underway. There's going to be a roadmap um, action plan that comes out of this process, um, which will lead on to some legislation and regulation. We don't know how soon that will be, but uh, it's certainly what's needed to do the catch-up that Victoria's got to do. So is the consultation period closed now, or are they still doing that? Yeah, the, f- the formal period for written consultations is closed. Um, I expect there's still this is still a good time for you know, listeners and businesses, community groups to put their views forward because the roadmap hasn't yet been put into set into stone. So um, I'd say now is still a good time to send in views to um, the uh, energy minister and their team. Okay. Can you give us an overview of Victoria's current renewable energy generation contribution and contributions from solar and wind? Yeah, so... Victoria is currently on about 14% uh, renewable energy, uh, according to the figures in the roadmap. And um, a fair chunk of that is from hydro and then wind farms. And probably the the smaller chunk is from 
rooftop solar, which is a fast-growing sector, there's been a fairly good increase, even though we've had a sort of hiatus over the last four years. The wind farm construction uh, takes a little while, so for that sort of effect to hit the hit the numbers has increased renewables from about 9% about five years ago up to the 14% that it's at now. So it is on the increase, and some of that's just the uh, sort of inevitable growth of the rooftop solar sector. So, you know... When you, the, the, I guess the big picture is that Victoria still gets uh, over 80% of its generation from coal. Mm. And that's that's the challenge, is to change that. And from the dirtiest waiting. coal in the world. <laughs> well, that's it. Victoria's emissions, energy sector emissions, are the highest in Australia. Mm. And with Australia being the highest per capita emitter in the world, that gives it a pretty daunting picture of how emissions-heavy Victoria's energy mix currently is. Plenty and of room to improve. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know where Victoria stands as far as the st- different states are concerned in terms of renewable energy generation? Um, yeah, the Climate Council did some good um, sort of comparisons on that. Uh, at the end of last year, Victoria was ranked about fourth in terms of uh, how much renewables have been added under the RET scheme since 2001. So South Australia was number one, Tasmania number two. Tasmania's number two? Yeah, wow. interesting. Oh, hydro, I guess. Mm. Yeah. And then Western Australia coming in and Victoria came in fourth. So, Victoria's... so that was before Queensland. I thought Queensland actually generated more than Victoria nowadays. Mm, there's a huge upswell in rooftop solar, but the overall percentage in Queensland is still a bit lower than Victoria. So... Mm. Queensland's now making big steps, 50% renewable energy target, so they've got a huge task ahead, but they're actually coming from a a lower renewables starting point, so it makes their ambition even more impressive. Mm. If Victoria were to set a 50% target, the actual task wouldn't be as great as Queensland's task. So coming back to the um, submission you made and, and the workshop, can you tell us a bit more about the um, successful workshop you held and, and your clients' involvement? Yeah, so we had uh, about 30 people from different sectors, developers and retailers and and others, and we had a good discussion around what's possible in Victoria, where do we need to go. One of the good uh, sort of sensible things which came out of that was that we need a fixed target for renewable energy, not a moving target. So the renewable energy target legislation has been set in gigawatt-hour terms for good reason. That's the only metric that would make sense for industry to head towards a fixed target. And while it's valid that the state government is talking about a percentage target because that's sort of kind of easy to understand, if we set a we can't set a percentage target for of a moving target, so mm. energy use in five years and ten years is isn't got some uncertainties whether it will go up or down, what the changes will be. But what we can do is set a gigawatt hour generation target for Victoria which would be similar to what's been done at a national level but the point for Victoria is to set something that's a bit more ambitious uh, because the national target's recently been reduced so the uh, sort of wind has gone out out of the sails a bit even though it's better to have some wind rather than no wind and we had a period of absolutely zero progress while the Warburton review put a hold on everything Mm. but now we're really keen to see a new state target which which gets the ball rolling again. Yeah, you're reminding me of the uh, 
uh, of the national target that you just mentioned, the RET, where um, all those years back when that was set and the big power company said, oh, we can't have as a percentage, we need a fixed thing because what if um, our estimated electricity consumption goes up and then the target's going to go up? So they set a fixed target. And then when electricity consumption went down, the big power company said, oh, that's more than the percentage we're aiming for. We need to cut our target. Yeah, I guess they spin it the way that suits them exactly. on the day. But it, yeah, it does also suit the renewables industry to have a, a fixed target. because it's, a- Absolutely, I understand that. Yeah. So uh, any other main outcomes of the workshop? Well, we had pretty wide-ranging discussion. These are the things you recommended to the to the um, government in your submission? Yeah, so uh, the NHAR submission that we've um, now published and sent in, we'll put that on our website as well, talks about the targets. The fact that Victoria's going to get to 20% under a business-as-usual scenario, that's quite important to, for the community to understand that... If, when we, we, actually, if we don't try, we'll get there. Yeah, if the Victorian government were not to put any extra incentive in, we're still going to get to 20% renewable energy in Victoria because we've had a Anglesey coal closure. We've had wind farms under construction the last couple of years, which are now contributing to the generation figures, which will get picked up in next year's stats. We've also got the rooftop solar rolling out several hundred, couple of hundred megawatts a year in Victoria. And we've also got the the, VEAT, uh, the energy efficiency target, which is going to decrease demand and have some mm. decreasing effect on generation. All of that means we're going to get to about 20% anyway. And other commentators have said the same thing. So if the Victorian government um, wants to stimulate additional activity, we have to look at the target being perhaps in the 25 to 30% range by 2020. Mm -hmm. In in your report, you've said that it's one of the main things that needs to be concentrated on is the pace of progress so that Victoria does make a significant um, contribution. And I think you also mentioned that they really need to set dates and and targets in place for for the report. Yeah, I think it's really important to set out a timetable which the community and industry can uh, lock into to have the confidence about when to move ahead on projects. And uh, as of now, we've got a road map turning into an action plan, but we don't yet have uh, targets and dates for those targets. So yeah, really important to set a timetable. And, you know, we're moving up to now a year since the change of government in Victoria, and it would be good to spend the next few years of this term of the state government uh, delivering projects. On, and for that, we're going to need some clear dates and, and hopefully target and, leg- and mechanisms put in place in the, in the very near future. You're listening to the Beyond Zero radio show. Our guest today is Damien Natakan from NHA, his company, and we're discussing the Victorian Energy Roadmap, Renewable Energy Roadmap. So, Damien, can you tell us what the actual VREC targets are that you're recommending for 20 and beyond? Yeah, I guess we're sort of coming from a fairly pragmatic point of view and we respect the environmental groups who would be advocating for 100% targets within fairly short timeframes. I guess from our sort of pragmatic industry-based point of view in terms of what could realistically be both politically palatable and also deliverable, uh, we'd say 25 to 30% as a target by 2020, 35% to 40% renewable energy by 2025, and also 50% target by 2030, which is already the the national labour policy. So 
that would be a very good start and obviously could be built on. And all those percentages would need to be turned into gigawatt hour figures for the actual mm. legislation. Damien, the science actually says that we need to go far harder than that. Are these targets what you regard as, as the best achievable as a political compromise or why aren't they as, as hard as the science says? Yeah, I think it is the political compromise side. I mean, as a business working in the renewables field, we need a legislated target that's gonna we can work towards. And um, it, it, if it would be impossible to legislate a you know 100% target in the next 10 years, which we, you know, we know is technically possible and even economically possible, mm. would, we've got yeah, to have it's a, just a, not a psychologically target. and politically possible. Yeah, I mean we're in the business of delivering to targets, so we need a target that's actually going to be legislated um, in the short term. And that's the target that we'll be working towards. And we'll leave it to others to continue the great work of lobbying for 100% renewable energy. Well, how does Victoria actually compare to the other states? I mean, you mentioned about Queensland having the 50% target. Yeah, well, um, uh, Victoria currently doesn't have a target, so it mm. can't can't really compare. Oh, sorry, to, but, the, but the, the other target s- that you're proposing. Yeah, that would be... Um, in line with Queensland's target, it's less than uh, the ACT's target of 90%, which I think has been boosted to 100% in recent days. Um, and it's around uh, about the same ballpark as the South Australian targets, I think. So it would it would bring Victoria back in the game of, uh, you know, in the race of being a credible uh, leader nationally. I'm not sure about internationally. I think it'd have to go a lot harder to be seen as an internationally um, ambitious sector uh, of states, but it would that would I think bring us back into the realms of credibility, and it'll be, you know, we'll see what what comes out. The, the other submissions will be published, and um, I think listeners could probably go to read those public submissions to see what levels of targets have been suggested by other stakeholders around Victoria. I think um, Premier Andrews was saying that he would like Victoria to be a leader in this area, so possibly the targets will be higher, hopefully. Yeah, and I think they'll need to look long and hard about what the mechanisms are and what the costs will be and the benefits will be, which there's there's a lot of work to be done, lots of modelling, and, you know, the, the, probably with the, the state government didn't go to the recent election with a, with a huge agenda or, or set of policy promises on renewables. No, they were very quiet about it, weren't they? So therefore there's perhaps, um, you know, the resources of the government aren't, necessarily focused but hopefully as they get a set of positive really positive submissions on this they'll understand that this is very popular this is what we want we want more of it and you know thumbs up now let's do it sort of message so if we come to um, some of the specifics of um, wind and solar on the wind side is it correct there are currently about 18 wind farms across the state with a combined generation capacity of approximately 2500 megawatts uh, just waiting on planning approval and, and some of them actually being shovel ready Ah uh, yeah, so there's a there was a huge sort of push in Victoria before the last change of government. So under the last Labor government, there was development activity in wind, really f- focused from South Australia to Victoria, and so there was this huge uh, pipeline of projects, many of which have been given planning permits, and many most of those planning permits are still uh, valid, even though mm-hmm. some of them have have struggled to keep their validity in the face of uh, the two-kilometre setback restrictions. But despite that, yeah, a lot of projects have survived, um, which are in the development pipeline. So 
There's about 1,000 megawatts or 930 of projects which the Clean Energy Council listed as on hold because of under construction, mm-hmm. in inverted commas, but on hold because of the RET review. So out of that 2,500, probably 1,000 megawatts, you know, have got grid c- connections, have mm-hmm. got development approvals and, and literally could start construction, but they need to reach financial close. And even though we've got a, a resolution on the RET deal, um, we're only seeing projects in Victoria which are funded through the the ACT's mechanism, which is a state-based mechanism. Where we're bidding to supply their reverse auctions. That's and, right, yeah, they were flexible about location, so wind yes. farms in Victoria could could feed into that auction. And some of those wind farms in Victoria have been boosted in terms of they've scaled up somewhat because after the RET resolution. But there's all these other wind farms which are just waiting in the wings, and so that, that should be the sort of low-hanging fruit that Victoria should be going ahead with to build those. You know, it does, doesn't need new... Uh, projects and uh, to go that that would that lot would deliver five percent of Victoria's energy, just you know in a fairly easy. So they just piece need to be work. taken out of coma or, or the the stasis that the yeah. previous government put them in. Yeah. So how hopeful are you of these going ahead? And what were your recommendations? Well, the targets and mechanisms that would help them to get off the ground. So the so it relies on getting that stronger target. Yes, there there is a a, a modest sort of initiative. Uh, that's in the roadmap, which will probably stimulate 100 megawatts of generation. But we need sort of thousands of megawatts, so that's not going to do the whole job. But that that's the Victorian government's own energy procurement process and matching that with large generation certificates, which will stimulate new projects in Victoria. But to get the rest of the wind farms built in Victoria, we'll need additional support. So it's a mechanism which will basically give financial Support could be could be a fairly modest level of support, but to get these projects uh, over the line. On the solar side, what were your recommendations on the solar feed-in tariff? Well, the review that's being underdone by Energy Safe Victoria will probably come out with the view that there is more value in feeding solar into the grid than is currently paid with the, the minimal feed-in tariffs, which are essentially currently dissuading people from exporting anything to the grid. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be an improvement. We didn't put in specific numbers into what we think the feed-in tariffs should be, but what would be great is if the tariff is close to a one-for-one, because that will enable rooftop solar projects to actually maximise their capacity on a rooftop. What, what do you mean by one-for-one? One? Well, that the the credits paid by, the, by a retailer for someone exporting solar would be similar to the charge that the, to the, the, cost re- that the to the retail charge yes yeah, similar mm. to the retail charge i mean i think there's so a general you're going back talking back up the 25 cents or something that would be for residential yeah i mean we work as i said in the commercial space so it could just be 15 oh, cents or less 11, 12 yeah yeah but there's a lot of you know all all solar commercial scale projects at the moment cap their their size so that they don't export much power because you get paid so little for that mm-hmm. so that's currently the best way to, to build a financial case for a solar project on a commercial site and it means that there's we're sort of missing out on all that extra capacity yeah. which could be could be at the moment the value is only behind the meter where you can substitute your own consumption um, and you have no added incentive to export because it's it's you get so little for it yeah so if victoria wants to maximize its renewable generation we, we want to make use of that extra capacity that's on rooftops which would be exporting to the grid mm. which is a you know a value add to the grid so currently that's being 
de-incentivise and, and really doesn't happen. And if that could change, that would be great in terms of making bigger and better solar projects. So is that the main form of support you saw or recommended for the government to give or were there other things you recommended on the solar side? Yeah, well, that was one of them. The, the way that the government could go is with a, a reverse auction type um, approach, which is the way that the Australian Capital Territory is supporting renewables at the moment. And it would also be similar to the UK's uh, contracts for difference. It basically ensures that the renewable generator gets a fixed price income over, a, let's say, a 15-year time period. And that's the mm. sort of thing which really helps projects get over the line. And that income wouldn't have to be huge in many cases. It could just be a fairly small additional certain income to get projects over the line. It's just something that makes them bankable. Bankable, yeah, and or, or in sort of gets the business case across the line, even for businesses that don't need to borrow money from a bank but using their own money. They want to see the returns are uh, you know, mm. sufficient to mm. go ahead. And you could have... Um, these sort of reverse auction tranches uh, designed to meet the gigawatt hour targets open to large-scale wind, large-scale solar and rooftop solar. It'd be quite a neat way to do it. Thank you. Damien, you presented at the recent All Energy Conference. What features of the conference were important to you? What did you find out there that really made a difference? Well, my presentation was on local government solar leadership, so we were done quite a number of feasibility and design jobs for local governments around Melbourne area particularly, City of Melbourne, Moreland, Frankston and others. And I was presenting on the way that local government is in fact leading in terms of emissions target and renewables uh, initiatives. So it's great to be able to show some case studies for 100 kilowatt rooftop projects on Moreland Civic Centre for example. The conference had some really interesting uh, sessions in it. One of my f- well, my favourite was Lord Devon from the UK's Climate Change Commission um, laying it on the line regarding Australia's emissions target. Yes, that was very interesting. It was very powerful. I actually heard that too. I believe you've um, been listening to a podcast of that. You've got a little excerpt there. Yeah, I've got a little excerpt here. Let's see if we can get this running. Australia is promising something much less than the United States, wildly less than any European country, less than Mexico, less than Brazil, less than China. And it's a pretty sad thing. I'm a great Australian fan, and I'm really sad that she should be right at the back of the pack and also pretending she was ahead. It's very, it's very sad. So, so Lord Devon... It is very sad. It is, but it's great to hear someone laying it on the line like that. I went to his uh, session, which was yesterday morning at the conference and hosted by Kane Thornton from Clean Energy Council. And yeah, he got a, Lord Devon got a standing ovation, which was, I didn't see any other the standing The only one ovations. in the whole conference, yeah. and especially coming after Minister Hunt's talk the night before, where he was saying Australia was a real heavy lifter and, and doing more in relative terms than any other Western country. And Lord Devon just demolished that so effectively and said, well, it depends where you choose your starting and ending points. Australia chose to choose very favourable starting and ending points different from every other country. When you uh, standardise it against those countries, we're actually right at the bottom of the pack. Yeah, Yeah, I think he he put that point very powerfully and it was good to hear no holds barred. I mean, another thing he said was that if the Abbott government actually doesn't believe in climate change, which is... The kind of the, you know the, the situation that we're in, a climate mm-hmm. sceptic approach, then they shouldn't have done any target. So, would be more um, honourable thing to do would be to say we're not going to take any 
target and action to Paris and we're not going to do anything on climate change. But if we're going to do something on, uh, you know, we've got the direct action scheme and these, these minimal targets, what's the basis for doing that? If that means that there's some acceptance of the science, then that is clearly not in line with the science. So mm. it'd be better to do nothing. Yes, is, is it fact-based? And if so, whose facts are you choosing to yeah, believe? Yeah, you're sort of looking through one squinted, slightly closed eye at some of the science. Mm. Or have you got your eyes wide open? But yeah, there's a lot of what Greg Hunt said, which is absolute rubbish. Mm. And it, it gets packaged up sounding like it could be credible, mm. but it's really not. And um, I'm happy to, to talk more about that. And another point I think Greg Hunt made was that China was going to increase its emissions by about 150%, which I think Lord Debon debunked very well. Yeah, well, that's a, obviously China's coming from a much lower per capita emissions starting point, and that's a pessimistic view put forward about the pace at which they're going to achieve their targets. And the likelihood is that China always beats its targets, especially once they're publicly announced. So it's really no comparison. The other thing that Greg Hunt says is that <laughs> the per capita emissions reduction in Australia is is somehow fantastic. Mm-hmm. And the way I look at that is if you take the smoking equivalent and saying, well, there's a risk of cancer from smoking. But look, we're doing a great job. We're, we're going to cut back by 10 cigarettes a day. And I'd say, yeah, but Greg, you're smoking 50 a day. Yeah. Everyone mm. else is smoking much less than that. And yeah, the other guys are only cutting back four cigarettes a day, but they only started by smoking five a day. So mm-hmm. they're going to be down to one a day, mm-hmm. and they're really dealing with their minimising their risk of cancer. But you've, you've, you're on this 50 a day, and, and you're reducing and by giving, 10 and saying that's a great and effort. And giving everyone else cancer. <laughs> and uh, Yes, it's a very good analogy, isn't it? Now, where can people go to find out more information about you and NHAR? Well, our website is nhar.com, E-N-H-A-R.com.au. Terrific. Unfortunately, we're going to have to wind this up fairly soon. It's been quite fascinating talking to you. We could talk a lot more about this and Lord Devon's presentation, I'm sure, but we've run out of time. So thank you very much, Damien, for your time today. Welcome. It's been great. Thanks. And if you want to listen to this show or any of the others we have done, then you can go to www.bze.org.au slash media slash radio and you will find them there. You can also find us on Twitter at BZE Tech Show. Thanks for listening and we hope you'll be back again next week. And also don't forget our one hour long BZE sister show on every Monday afternoon at 5pm. Thank you. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.